The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Good evening. Welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy. I'm your host tonight, Spencer Hager. With me, John Sestina, our founder, and Tyler Cook. Tyler and myself, we are certified financial planners. Should be a good show tonight. John, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. Waiting for the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So speaking of which, I'd ask... I know Stephen and everyone calls you the Grinch. Do you get into this time of year at all, into the holidays? I am an original bah humbugger. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Not at all. What, what? about any uh, positive childhood <clears throat> memories this time of year? Oh, you, you don't know my childhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember, that was when I lost my finger. Yeah, West Virginia, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's uh, that's Scrooge for us. Tyler, how's your holiday season? Yeah, it's good, though. Amazon truck shows up multiple times a day. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's with little kids in the house. It's always a fun time. So uh son is almost, geez, 20 months old now. It's come fast. And he's just learning about Santa for the first time and all that stuff. So there's a lot of, a lot of fun things going on. So the opposite of screws, John. Yeah. Nice. Are you a fake tree, real tree? Oh, fake tree. The one you can just click it right in. Don't even have to mess with connecting cords it's the best decision we made yeah there you go to each their own i say john no tree tree <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about yeah. a tree all right well we'll leave it on that for the holiday you know i'm the only house in the entire neighborhood that doesn't have lights on it's gonna people are gonna start to talk john. you're gonna keep exploring this yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm trying not to <laughs> Uh, that's great. So, well, uh, for today's or tonight's show, rather, uh, the main topic is going to be year-end tax planning. That may not sound riveting. I promise we're going to do everything we can to make it pretty interesting, talk through some good tidbits. But before we jump into that, uh, it's December uh, December 9th today. It's coming out on December 10th, uh, 12th when you're listening to the show. But I thought what would be fun is to talk about how this year's wrapped up. And when I started to think about that, trying to contrast it to 2020, it was a little bit crazy. And particularly what I honed in on is still the ramifications coming from COVID. So particularly two things, staffing shortages, still a huge problem, and wealth inequality. For all the buzzwords prior to COVID, it seemed to got uh, get worse throughout the pandemic. John, have you been looking at any of that stuff? Well, I'm concerned that we are also concerned mm -hmm. about all this COVID stuff, and especially we get this new one, uh, Omicron, uh, uh, Omicron, whatever yep. is nine, and pretty <laughs> soon there'd be an 11 and a 300 and a whatever else out there. And you know that, the, as I've said before, the Star Spangled Banner, what's the last line that you sing? Home of the Brave. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I don't see that. You know, it used to be Americans would confront whatever was coming, and even if it was overwhelming odds, like the uh, Revolutionary War, and they would stand up and sacrifice and do what was necessary. 
So right now, we don't seem to have that. We seem everyone's diving under, well, I can't go to work, and that's why we're having staff shortages, even though there's little or no reason for them to do that. And uh, they're all following all kinds of things that um, continue to make them nervous. That's the tough part, too, is I think this whole great resignation that everyone's talking about, I think a misconception is that it's all blue-collar. And one thing, I found an article on it, but, you know, I'm just talking to people. I've heard plenty of it. You know, a big one, even around in Columbus here, is the attorneys. A lot of attorneys for the big law firms where you would think maybe the paycheck would keep you coming in and just deal with coming into the office from 9 to 5. A lot of those uh, larger ones are having trouble getting attorneys to come in or staffing their companies. And it's definitely not uh, blue-collar, at least in my opinion. No, it's everyone. It's, you find it everywhere, professionals, non-professionals. doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. It's an attitude. And so we need to confront this head-on, strong, get some doctors who speak straight and uh, rely on doctors' information, not on politicians. You know, when did these politicians get their MD degree? I know a few of them have, but I don't think I don't know how many. <laughs> I don't know any yeah, of you. Yeah, I've Tyler. seen a lot too. With yeah, with, with different scenarios. In fact, I just met with somebody today where you know they're they're the business owner and their their business has a distribution component to it where they're shipping products across the country and, and here locally in Ohio. And uh, their top line numbers are are increasing really nicely, like great growth in revenue. But the problem is, the, like to your point, John, about the labor side of things, if they can't find good people, they can't find drivers. Um, or there's a lot of turnover in that scenario. So that's so we've got to get through that part of it, uh, it before the economy really gets back to a kind of a normal level. So I, I think that's common with a lot of business owners that we're seeing, though, is their top line numbers are, are great. But uh, in this other scenario, the, the bottom line, the profit's not really moving a whole lot, or it's in some cases going down for things like think about a distribution center, uh, transportation, price of gas, right? Other inflationary aspects that are hitting businesses. So um, we got to get through that, and I, I think you're right, John. It's, it's it's about time that we just look look in the mirror and, and kind of say, okay, what's really changed now? We've got a lot a lot of data here, and, and I think that's part of the challenge in the world today is there's just so much misinformation out there. Yeah, it's hard for people to really make a a, a decision and, and trust it. Yeah, and I don't begrudge anyone for you know if it's easier for you to work from home, please do. But I think what really happened over 2020 and what's bleeding into 2021, I'm sure 2022 is. I think we forced the transition pretty quickly. Maybe maybe naturally would have happened over time. But well, I, the big hiccup is the federal government. Didn't, right. Do you know how many federal government employees show up for work every day? I do not. Do you know, Tyler? I do not. 17%. You believe that? So they're being they're still being paid, but they're able not to have to come into work, still get going along. 17% of them. Wow. See, that's what happens. I'll, the, I'll be the, the first to, to say I, I I really enjoy working from home. That's been one actually the big changes for me over the last mm -hmm. almost two years now is you know primarily working from home. And and I think uh, when, we when we talk about other side effects of of the pandemic and you know the, the they talk about billionaires have increased their wealth you know to mm -hmm. a record high mm -hmm. uh, while the the, the disparities gotten greater on the other end too. You know, it's my opinion on that is. So, I mean, so what? Like, take Elon Musk or take Jeff Bezos. I mean, they created some amazing companies, and they're supposed to be punished or felt, you know, guilt-tripped because of doing that. I don't know. I, I feel pretty pretty strongly about that, that uh, they shouldn't be punished for their success. Oh, no one should be punished for their success, but they should demonstrate is their success. So the purpose of being out of the crowd is just that. If you're a leader, you're not going <laughs> to stick with the crowd, and the crowd is all lingering 
and they're lemmings, and they're all going over the mountain together. So, you know me, Tyler. I'm a little crazy. I'm a I'm a, I'm a doer. I don't sit back and uh, relax and worry about stuff. I say, let's get it done. And that's what's missing. People are working from home, and they're, if you will, they're being lazy and uh, taking advantage of what they can. You don't can't blame them for that, but that's what they're doing. And so we're wondering why everyone is lackadaisical now. Yeah, and I definitely don't think any of us on the show here are in favor of punishing people. I think what, and I'll be honest, my frustration is maybe the people who didn't have that resources didn't even have the option to that's keep right. trying. Yep. And so that's where my frustration comes in, where all the talk of wealth and equality before that shutdown did a pretty good job of widening the gap, and that's primarily because the smaller fries who didn't have the same amount took it on the chin. Yep. So this is not to be political, not at all, but it is – it's pretty – I think we all were pretty happy coming into 2021, and then all of a sudden I've noticed everyone who last year said, you know, goodbye 2020, 2021 is going to be fantastic. Now everyone's leaving 2021 saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so just looking back, I think things will keep going hopefully – in the right direction, but definitely still a lot of lingering effects from last year. Any closing thoughts on that one, Tyler? No, I just I just think there's a, there's a lot to work through, and and you know the economy. It's all about jobs. Everything is about jobs. We gotta have productivity, and that, that's the key. That's the answer. Yep, well said. So we're gonna leave it at that for this one. When we come back, we're gonna start moving into year end tax planning, some points uh, to think about before we wrap up the year, and then also some good strategies moving into the next year. So please stick around. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. I'm your host again, Spencer Hager. With me, Tyler and John. We are Last segment, we were talking about some uh, fun facts ending uh, ending 2021 here. Now we're going to move into the main topic for this evening, which is going to be all about year-end tax planning. We're going to bleed into some 2022 tax planning strategies as well, and maybe even beyond that. So quite a bit to go through. I usually feel like I have a tendency to lead in with all the topics, so I'll, I'll punt to you, Tyler. Is there somewhere you usually start with year-end tax planning? Yeah, I think right now is just a time of, of reflection. People enter the holidays and have some time off, and it's, it's a good time to look back at the year and, like, kind of like you said, just evaluate where you are. And, and specifically on the tax planning side, a lot of people wait till April, right, till April of 2022 to talk about 2021 tax planning. And December is a great time to touch base with your accountant. Most people probably haven't talked to their accountant since they filed their tax returns. But you reach out now in, this, in the month of December – and just say, hey, you know what, here's kind of where I'm at income-wise. If you, know, if you get a W-2, provide them with a copy of your pay stub and W uh, of your pay stub, rather not your W-2. Um, and just make sure your withholdings are in line. Mm-hmm. Just very basic things that sound pretty boring, honestly, on the surface level, but you can avoid some big surprises and stress come April uh, because you still have time to act, right? And that's the important part is calendar year has not turned over yet. You still have a few weeks left in the year to get some things done. So just touching base, that you'd be surprised how, how often you see things that uh, were perhaps overlooked, but a simple phone call or email can, can save you. This it's, You're right, Tyler. And this is also a big time to review where you are, who you are. I mean, you, you know, things have been running around and you've been dealing with all this going on. Now's a good time to sit down and evaluate your whole financial situation. So look at the assets you own, uh, examine those assets, 
Be prepared to talk to your advisors. They should be included in the process. Uh, this is a big deal because you can evaluate who you are and what you need to change before it's too late. Yeah, I, I think we all get into a little bit of a rut. No one likes tax filing time, and so it's the same kind of rinse and repeat, fund the IRA, do something with the 401K, get it done by April 15th. We all kind of do that, but really digging into the numbers, I think, is where we're going to go. Really common, what I've been seeing is a lot of people, once again, talking about 2020 compared to 2021. I know a lot of people who unfortunately had some unemployment compensation coming in. So evaluate where income is for the year. If you had unemployment comp compensation last year, definitely cross-compare what income is going to be this year. And then also double-check the withholdings because a lot of people did not have withholdings come out on the unemployment compensation. So a lot of people, I think, took a surprise of owing some taxes come filing time. If it's all through payroll this year, if you're W-2, may not be the case. So that's usually where I start is just income withholdings, pretty basic. So all those extensive payments of uh, unemployment over the last year, these folks are going to pay taxes on them? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately. <laughs> and they probably aren't aware. We've warned them along the way, but I'm sure a lot of it not thought about that. It's like Social Security. I have to point it out. I know it oh, seems stop. crazy. <laughs> Don't talk about <laughs> yeah. that to me. You so, know what my Social Security Medicare bill is now every month? You've told me the past couple of shows, and that's shame on me for not remembering. It's $550 that's a right. month. And that doesn't count the uh, supplemental. Mm, the part, okay. part that's, C. That's A and B. Yeah. That's what Ooh. it costs. So there you go, guys. It's free. It's from the government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Danger zone. No, um, but so that's the first one. And then I guess a couple easy ones that are really more time sensitive to December 31st, if you're listening to this. So one being if you have children or grandchildren or just uh, family or friends that you've been contributing towards a 529 account for them, be mindful Unlike the IRAs where they give you until April 15th of the following year to fund that, with the 529s, that's December 31st. So if you're planning on putting into it, holiday season's upon us. Definitely make sure you look to contribute towards that. Not a federal deduction. You get a state tax deduction depending on which state you're in. That's a big one. That is a big, big one. And sometimes... big, news, big news in the Cook household on that front, Spencer. <laughs> I think I have finally convinced my family, my relatives, to make contributions to my kids' 529 accounts instead of toys. I really think I've done it. Not all and yours wear capes. <laughs> it's taken years. It's taken years, but uh, we had family over for Thanksgiving, and I think they saw the amount of toys that are currently available for the kids to play with. And uh, they asked, you know, what are Christmas lists? And I, just, I, I replied, put one thing on the list. said 529 contributions for the kids. Uh, and actually, fun fact about that, College Advantage – Go to collegeadvantage.com. That's Ohio's plan, which it continues to be one of the top plans in the country. Uh, it's always been kind of in the top five. I think last year might have been number one rated in the country. Uh, but they act, they've made it really easy now to do this. Before, you had to send vouchers and things like that. But recently, they've implemented these codes that you just use. So I literally replied with a link and a code for each kid uh, to the family members in an email. And, they, and the family members have to click on the link type in the code, and it links it directly to uh, my children's 529 account. So uh, that's big news. I've been trying to – we've been talking about that for, for years with clients and with everybody else, but I think we've had a breakthrough. Well, maybe the tax break helped. Yeah, and that's that's the nice point about it, John, is, is grandparents, other family members, if you make a contribution to your grandkids' 529 account, you get the tax deduction. So if you live in Ohio, you have an Ohio 529 plan – 
and other states are like this too, not just Ohio, but if you live in Ohio and you make that contribution, you as the grandparent get that tax deduction, not uh, the kids or the or your your, your uh, grandkids. So pretty neat. Yeah, and I think uh, just to touch on that real quick too, I think some people uh, – this happened really recently, but before a lot of people were concerned that grandparent 529s would factor into financial aid for the grandchildren in the future. So people are a little bit wary to do that because they're afraid they would in one way or another actually kind of hurt their grandkids in the long run. It is new with the new administration that they've really made some changes to lighten that impact. So you can actually, if you're a grandparent out there, want to contribute towards a grandchild's 529, it's uh, it will not adversely affect them, or it should not. Double check me on that, but they lightened it a lot for the effects on financial aid. They so, did what? Say that again. So before, if you had a, if you were a grandparent funding a 529 for your grandchild at the time of applying for FAFSA financial aid, they would factor in the grandparents 529 and so it could adversely affect how much aid was available for the grandchild and so with the new administration they've lightened it where they won't factor that in so you could set aside funds for your grandchildren's education and it's not going to hurt them come financial aid time. it used to be the income from the 529 <clears throat> as the child withdrew the money that was the issue yeah, they've lightened that pretty quite a bit. So it's it's a lot more favorable. Please look it up and don't take my word for it all the way. But uh, it's pretty easy to find some uh, articles out there on it, and they've they've definitely lightened it up. You check with your accountant. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's why we have the uh, disclaimer at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah, so. that's and that's why we use all the uh, outside experts. Absolutely, well said. As a financial planner, we're the generalists. Mm-hmm. The other one's charitable giving. I know we're going to run up against the end of the second segment here, so this is probably going to bleed between the two. But make sure if you had any charitable gifts. First of all, have you been tracking your gifts throughout the year? Do you expect to itemize your deductions versus taking the standard? Because traditionally, if you give to charity and you only take the standard deduction, you don't really get to see that tax benefit. Not saying that's why you give to charity. However, just make sure you track and see if that's even an item for you. That's not clear. Clear it up. So can someone take a, a charitable deduction? Only if you itemize your deductions. Okay, so Absolutely. itemize your deductions. Yep. And then you can take a deduction. Yep, and so the reason it's important to really track the number too is there's some good strategies with that. And you uh, made me jump to it, John. But So the, w the way you take the itemized deductions, right, you have pretty much three main categories. It's going to be state and local income taxes plus mortgage interest plus charitable giving. There's some other things like medical expenses that tie into it. Now, standard deduction this year is 25100 So if you find yourself right on that line, but when you add all of that up between income taxes plus mortgage interest plus charitable giving, there could be some good strategies to get you into the itemized deduction, which could help you a little bit. Yeah, we could talk about that next time. Absolutely. After the break. Yep, so please stick around uh, for the third segment. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. Again, I'm your host for this evening, Spencer Hager. With me, John and Tyler. We are talking a lot about tax planning for 2021 and onward. But before we jump back into that, I just want to remind everyone this is hopefully a very happy time, time of year with holidays, but it's also stressful. I know everyone gets stressed moving into the new year with New Year's resolutions. So just want to remind everyone out there, if you find yourself asking some more questions, you want to find out more about financial planning or, you know, specifically how we, Johnny, Sestina, and company operate, you can always go to our website, managingtobewealthy.com. If you do want to set up a one-hour complimentary consultation meeting to sit down with one of us as the planners, go up to the top right, click Take Action. 
Or if you just want to listen to some more shows, we've got a lot more content out there. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. You can listen uh, to several podcasts, same deal. Click uh, up on the top right on the archive section. But jumping back into the show here. You're well, in wait a minute. You know what else they can do? They can read our book. Ah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Tyler even has a chapter in there. <laughs> yeah, shameless plug. Chapter 10. Well, I've been watching chapter some- in the book. I've been watching some TV, and all they do is plug their books. Absolutely. So we probably should mention ours. Yeah, planning is planning a successful future. Yes. That's the most recent one. Yes. So, well, I want to clear up the point I made at the end of the last segment here about charitable giving because it's it's easy to get lost in the weeds with some of this tax planning talk. That's why we always say people should work with an accountant <laughs> to help do this. But the point I was making essentially is standard versus itemized deductions – Itemized deductions, it's state and local income tax, plus mortgage interest, plus charitable giving, maybe medical expenses, that one's rare. So a hypothetical situation, they cap how much you can deduct for state and local income taxes at 10000 Say you have mortgage interest of 10000 on top of that, that gets you to twenty, and say you give $3,000 to charity. So that's twenty three. Standard deduction this year is 25100 So Essentially, for giving $3,000 to charity, you're not really getting any tax benefit because you get to take the standard of $25,100 anyway. So what I was saying with that is there's some good strategies you can look at, and this is why you should track it. Maybe you consider giving a couple years' worth of charitable giving in one year if you have the cash on hand to do it because you were at twenty three before. You gave 3000 to charity. Mm-hmm. You could do maybe three, even four years, even two technically get you there. Then all of a sudden you're at twenty six, twenty nine, thirty two thousand. And you get an extra benefit because you're past the standard deduction. Well, and they can also do the donor advice fund. Okay, and let me let me expand on that one too because this is where people get lost in the weeds. Because donor advice fund, it's always if you have appreciated stock, an appreciated mutual fund, really any investment that's appreciated, you gift that to a donor advice fund. It's like a little charitable account. You get to claim the deduction, assuming you itemize your deductions, and you don't pay any capital gains tax on the appreciation. That's fantastic. I talk to a lot of people who, of course, tithe. They like to give throughout the year, and tithing, of course, is based on your income. If you have the cash flow, you can also just put cash into a donor advised fund. And the reason that's good is because maybe you don't know what your income is going to be in a year from now or two years from now, but you can do multiple charitable giving in one year using that donor advised account. And then once you find out what your income is the next year, just give from that donor advised fund. So people always talk about that with just stocks, but if it's really something where you want to give multiple years worth of charity in one year, there's many ways to do it, and it can still help you out a lot with taxes. So pay attention. And another one okay. I've seen recently, too, there with, with donor advised funds is uh, you know, the past few years, depending upon the sector of in, in different industries, there's been a lot of consolidation and people buying and selling companies. And mm-hmm. so we've seen scenarios with, with business owners who have sold businesses, and that donor advised fund can be a great tool to – take a portion of the proceeds from a sale like that and as you're saying spencer pre-fund the next five even ten years maybe mm-hmm. of charitable giving so the way that i think it's important we expand on that a little bit and explain how it works so donor advised fund is simply an account that you set up uh with the sole purpose of charitable giving mm-hmm. so as soon as you put any money into that account it's an irrevocable gift has to be used for charity the tax planning side of it is you get the deduction in the year you make the contribution to that account and then in subsequent years, when you are giving money to charity, you don't get the deduction at that point. So when you have these big lump sums or uh, uh, influxes of cash into the plan that, that could be taxable, donor advised funds, assuming you're charitably inclined, 
could be a great way to to preload future charitable giving and at the same time get a really nice tax break. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're a really good tool. And I think really why we always bring this up too, I talk to a lot of people and they say, eh, I give it to charity, but I can't take, I can't itemize my deduction so I don't get any benefit. So there are some good ways maybe that you could take advantage of it. So don't let the buck stop there. Maybe expand upon it, explore a couple of different avenues, and maybe you can get a little tax benefit for it. So, and that's, that's what it's all about. If you're going to give to charity anyway, at least try and get a tax benefit for it. So I think we beat that one up pretty good. And Tyler, I was going to jump to some more on the W-2 tax planning sides, but I've been thinking about it ever since you said um, what I've seen too. A lot of business owners this year have seen their top line number increase. I, I've talked to a lot of people where their income for the business is going up this year. And I think there's a lot of creative strategies that you can employ to try and mitigate the tax bill there. Anywhere your mind jumps to first with that? Yeah, and it, it ties right into the year-end concept, mm-hmm. just reviewing where you're at. And again, like you said, we're seeing a lot of people who are, the year hasn't even closed yet, and their, their revenue numbers are higher than where they were the previous year, which is fantastic. So if you're looking to negotiate your tax bill, yes, you can negotiate your tax bill. Uh, as a business owner, you, you might think about what other expenses you know you may have in early next year or other things like rewarding employees, whether it's bonuses or other incentives. Uh, those are, are a way to not only keep employees excited and reward them for their hard work, but also at the same time from the business planning standpoint, there's obviously an expense there, and that translates to a tax saving. So now's a great time to look at that and, and again, reward employees if that's something that you do, and uh, you can get creative with how you do that. I heard of a very exciting way to be kind to your employees. Maybe you all saw it on the news. This Chick-fil-A owner, I know you have friends who own Chick-fil-A's, Tyler, and uh, so these people went out and took their profits, in excess of their profits, and they bought real gifts for people, like a car. They gave them a $1,000 bonus or a paycheck bonus. These people were crazy happy. <laughs> I mean, it was a good use of the, but, you know, it was a good use if your mind is set that way to reward your employees and think beyond the month. I mean, you just what we're trying to say is get get a broader mind, broader view, step back, go to 50,000 feet, see what's available to you to reduce taxes. So, all right, let me ask you that, John, because I was going to go here, actually. So what's the balancing act with that? Because there's a lot of hubbub about tax changes, maybe rates go up. And a lot of those business owners I talk to, it's not just going to be a high income year this year. It's going to be ongoing. <laughs> Right, and so usually what we jump to is what expenses can you take advantage of? To Ty- your point, Tyler, remember he started this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. so, but that's a big one. We all jump to what expenses can you take advantage of that you already wanted to utilize? What benefits can you give for employees? But you always tie this, these conversations back to what's the goal? You kind of take that fifty thousand foot view. Exactly. You don't you don't do stuff just for taxes. Never let the tax tail wag the economic dog. Remember mm-hmm. that. So when you're looking at this stuff, and this person made those gifts out of the charity of her heart. She loved her employees, wanted to reward them. She had a good year. And so that's what she did. So if you're there, take advantage of it. But if you're looking for tax planning, then there's all kinds of alternatives. I don't know if we'll have time to hit them all now or have to wait till the next segment. But as a business owner, you have the most options as opposed to an employee who's on a W-2. So, again, open your eyes, look beyond today, 
think about where you're trying to go and talk to people, read some, I know it's tough, read some articles about tax planning. You know, a Kiplinger or someone like that who has tax planning ideas. Yep, absolutely. I, I think we're running out of time. So what we'll have to do is pick up on this. Sounds good. So please stick around. We're going to talk about some really good tax planning strategies when we come back. So you've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. For the last time tonight, I'm your host, Spencer Hager, with me, John and Tyler. Been doing a lot of talk about year-end tax planning. We're really rapidly coming up on the end here. We can only fit so much into an hour show. So last segment, we were wrapping up with a couple business tax planning items if you're a business owner out there. And this includes 1099 employees. So don't think if we're saying business owner, this is you have to have you know 50 employees and whatnot. Even if your wage is primarily... 1099 if you're a contractor, you file a Schedule C for a business income, so this applies to you too. Last one we were talking about, Tyler, I think you made a good point. You know, If you have employees, and John, you were talking about the news too, if you have employees, are there any gifts, year-end things you like to do to benefit them? Technically, it would come through maybe as an expense on your return, helps you out a little bit. Uh, next one I always jump to is just if you're a business owner and you're only funding an IRA, where if you're under 50, you can only put in $6,000. If you're over 50, 7000 that's per year. If you've got a nice income, some people I think do the IRA and stop there. Maybe consider sending something up where you could put a little bit more away, get a little tax benefit. Uh, there's a handful of plans out there. I don't know if we want to get into the alphabet soup of it all, but that's definitely a big one my mind immediately jumps to, and that's a planning item this year and onward because if you think your income is going to keep going up, that's going to save you taxes every single year. <laughs> Well, plus if it doesn't go up, everyone should own a business. You know that I've said that for all my years that everyone needs to own a second business. If you're making less than fifty thousand a year, you need the money. If you're making more than fifty thousand a year, you need the tax deductions. And so here's your option. What if you're a music teacher and that's your business? Don't forget those things. All the little things people do uh, where they forget that they have a business and are not taking advantage of the various items they can. So that's number one. And that's a good point. Yeah, but <laughs> Go the ahead, way Tom. you phrase it over the years, John, is just kind of ask yourself, do you have a hobby that you would consider turning into a business? Right. And we've, we've got some really creative answers when we ask that question. So you, you just, again, this time of year is great to reflect and pause. And maybe, maybe you start it next year in January. But the point being is uh, there's a lot more tax tools available to you uh, from the business owner standpoint. Absolutely. So there's lots to go into. Like I said, if you're a business owner, you should definitely think about setting up time to sit down with an advisor because there's so many different tax planning strategies you can talk through, whether it's with a financial planner, with an accountant, you name it. But a couple other big ones, and uh, we're actually talking in between the segments here. A couple common questions I've been getting from a lot of clients. Tyler, I'm sure you have. John, I'm sure you even get a couple. So one being uh, qualified charitable distributions. So that ties into if you are uh, one of the lucky folks out there who hit the – now it's 72. It used to be 70 and a half. If you reached that age and you had money in, say, a traditional IRA, a 401K, and you weren't working, IRS is going to require you to take money out from that. It's called a required minimum distribution. Anything you take out from that, it's going to be considered ordinary income. You're going to pay taxes on it this year. 
qualified charitable distri- distribution is a beautiful thing because if you take money and instead of pocketing it, you give it to a charity of your choice, you waive the tax bill. And so for retirees who want to give to charity, I always prioritize the qualified charitable distribution first because that's your paying ordinary income taxes on, whereas the donor advised fund, you're saving capital gains taxes. So chances are you're actually going to get a better tax benefit by doing the the charitable distribution, the qualified charitable distribution, rather than the donor advised fund. That's a popular one. Yeah, bingo, Spencer, because you're demonstrating what a financial planner does. You know, it's not just taxes. There's a finesse in all of this thing and organizing and thinking through and what options are available or you could create. And mm-hmm. you're doing that. That's mm-hmm. good. Absolutely. And- yeah, and with with that qualified <laughs> charitable distribution, too, it's uh, there are scenarios, too, Spencer, where, where it, it can depend, though. Sometimes people might be better with that appreciated uh, stock scenario to a donor advised fund because not only do you, do you avoid the capital gains, but you also get the tax deduction, which offsets ordinary income. Mm-hmm. So that's the finesse, John, that you're talking about. You really have to kind of dig into this and run a few projections on it. But I'm, I'm really hoping that, let's say we do get a new tax law next year, 2022. I really hope they grandfather this QCD. And this, this was not always around, this qualified charitable distribution. Uh, right now, I think it's up to $100,000 is the max that you can do giving directly from your IRA to charity. Um, but a lot of people are, are taking advantage of that. And, and most importantly, again, it's about what the goal is, right? And the goal is charitable giving. So I hope they, they keep this rule on the docket here for, for next year. Absolutely. So speaking of potential tax changes here, Tyler, I'm going to kick this one to you. Uh, capital gains taxes, <clears throat> been a lot of talk out there about potentially bumping yeah. the rate next year. Caveat to this question, you cannot answer with, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> but... If you have some capital gains, you've been thinking about maybe making some sales to lock that in. How seriously are you looking at that this year? Maybe, maybe it's. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I've been telling people this for a while, and I've just stopped guessing. It. I, I was hopeful at this point of the year we'd actually have something to talk about, whether it's a favorable tax bill and you're for it against it. That, that's irrelevant. It's just. We need time as planners to actually analyze and do these things. And so there's still a chance that something would get done the end of this year. I'm not holding my breath, but um, it's not like or not unlike our Congress to pass something, you know, the day after Christmas and give you a few days to make some decisions. So the capital gain thing is interesting because it's been all over the place this year in terms of where it may go and what may change and a lot of different kind of minutia within that. But really, it's a matter of just, again, running your numbers, seeing where you're at. Um, we're not going to let tax decisions, again, dictate a bigger part of the planning, but a lot of people might be better off, for example, triggering sales, making sales of their appreciated stocks now instead of waiting till next year if we have a higher tax rate associated with those sales. So it's the hard spot right now because we just don't know what to do in terms of that part of it, but we can only play by the rules we know today. And for now, it's, you know, capital gain rates are more favorable, but if next year, they're higher, or if they, the language you hear is we're going to harmonize the rates, right? So capital gain rates will be the same rate as ordinary income rates. Um, that that could eliminate some of the planning. So you know, there's a lot, lot to digest, and unfortunately, we still know what to expect yet. Sounds so lovely. Harmonize yeah, the and, rates. And <laughs> the real problem is the American public doesn't understand why capital gains. You know, so the politicians can go out and say, well, why are they getting this favored tax treatment? Well, can, they have to know that that tax is on an asset mm-hmm. as opposed to something you earned. And so, you know, I, as I hear people argue about all kinds of things, 
I realize they don't know how the government works, how bills work, how whatever laws are passed, and this is one of those. You have to understand the difference between, say, a piece of real estate that grows, and that's a gain, and you're going to pay a tax on that, and so there's a special treatment to that yeah. as opposed to income you would earn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and reality is, of course, it depends is a fair answer in this case. Wait a minute, you said I it. know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, get him, Tyler. <laughs> not so fast. Yeah, exactly. No, but I was going to say, because with this, I think it all comes back to just having a greater understanding for what you're trying to accomplish. Because the other one they floated out there was, we've talked about Roth conversions. I don't want to do that as much on the show. The other one is, do they lower the estate tax? So if the goal is long-term, you want to gift to children or grandchildren, whoever it is, if that's the goal and there's a pretty solid case to be made that they're probably going to drop the threshold where you may have to pay some estate taxes, maybe you start giving during your lifetime to the kids. Maybe you don't wait until you pass. Same thing with the capital gains. If there's some case to be made that this is a long-term goal anyway, there's a pretty compelling case they're going to raise the rate. Maybe you just take some action. Who knows? So I think those are really some of the last big ones. It's it's the charitable giving. Make sure if you want to give to any retirement accounts, know when the deadline is. Know when you have to contribute towards the accounts. Don't let it sneak up on you. And all of a sudden, it's February 1st, and you realize you're a month late to the party. So unfortunately, that's all the time we had. Hopefully, someone out there got a couple good tidbits. And uh, please come around for the next show. I'm sure there's plenty more year-end uh, strategies we'll be talking about. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on 610 WTVN.